Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. That's what's happening. All right. Hello, everybody. I am Matt Minnick, and this is not Coach Speak. Uh, this is an extra special episode here today, as everybody in Cincinnati, for as long as I can remember, has been obsessed with offensive line play. Uh, now we're, we're heading into a year, potentially having the best offensive line in, in, in many years around here. I wanted to get together some of the experts. And so, so again, not Coach Speak today. Today, we're, we're taking a different approach. I am calling it the the uncool clinic, as any O-line people will understand. The cool clinic is a, is a meeting of minds for professional offensive line coaches. There's not a professional offensive line coach in this group, uh, but we're, we're, we're all students of O-line play. Some of us have coached some O-line play in the, in, in, in the past. Uh, so we're going to get a little uncool on you here uh, and talk about some, some O-line play. So I am joined... First and foremost, uh, we'll, we'll go with John Sheeran. As anybody listening on this channel is uh, very familiar with John. John, how are you doing today? I don't know why I'm first. I, I've never never coached or played football before in my life, but thanks. Thanks. For, how are you guys doing? Well, you know, I'm a company man, and, and you're a company man. I, you know, <laughs> we, uh, I mean, when, when I started doing this podcast, it was like, it was like uh, you, me, Anthony, and the puppets. You know what I mean? So, uh, we got we got to stick to our roots a little bit. Uh, glory we'll days. Go, uh, across over here, uh, Sands. How we doing? I'm doing great, Matt. How are you doing? Good. So everybody, uh, uh, obviously, we, we you follow the Bengals. You follow the Bengals on Twitter. You, you you're a film rat. You like offensive line play. You know Sands as well. And then we have Parker Blake. We were we uh, we were just talking about Parker off air before he even got on here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Parker. Flashing onto the scene in Bengals Twitter, uh, but a, a wealth of knowledge, per, particularly on the guys up front. So uh, lots of we're really blessed, uh, you know. I, I think as a as a fan base that there's a lot of people that really study film, really know their stuff, um, and and you know. So today we're just kind of trying to collect some of the guys who who really like watching offensive line play, uh, and and Parker's one of those guys. Parker, how you doing? I'm good, man. I was happy to be here. I mean, I. I'm definitely the least qualified of everyone here, so. Oh, I don't know about that, but uh, we're we're all equally unqualified. That's why it's the. <laughs> <uncool> <laughs> I, don't know, I think sure. you saw me, 180 pound left guard in high school. <laughs> I was 160 pound center in high school, so. I beefed <laughs> up. I beefed up to play tight end in college. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so let's uh, let's start with the. The giant elephant in the room, the thing that, that we all want to talk about, the guy that we all want to talk about, I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't refer to him as a thing. Uh, the Bengals doing something I don't think any of us saw coming. Um, and despite not jumping with both feet into free agency, messing around and bringing in the best offensive tackle available in Orlando Brown, um, 
Parker, I'll, I'll start with you. Thoughts on on or, Orlando Brown? What type of increase in talent is this? Like how you know, like we we see people being like, ah, well, don't freak out about him. Oh, he's top ten. No, he's top five. Where do you think uh, Orlando Brown, uh, you know, fits in on on a grander scheme? You know, I, I've said this a couple times. I don't think it's a dramatic change talent wise. I think it's more the size profile and the style of play that like he really brings that. Uh, quote unquote upgrade over Jonah uh, just because he's going to be able to handle those power moves a lot better and he can push guys around the edge a lot like effectively as well like I think he's just a more solid all-around player and he just has he has a better profile for that position than I think Jonah ever did so I mean that's kind of high level I think it's an upgrade just because he fits the position and the role better. Sans do we think uh, that's a you know, largely because of the way they, they've shifted uh, schematically over the course of, of, of time. Like, do you think Jonah was better for them, maybe for on paper? Uh, or or do you think that, uh, you know, Orlando Brown's just kind of overall, that overall profile is better? Yeah, I mean, I think a, a little bit of it is that schematic change and what you might want there with all this duo power, even when they run zone now, it's tight zone, it's inside zone, it's working vertical. They're trying to push guys. They're not just trying to get on the run on the line and try to move guys horizontally and spread things out. They're trying to push guys vertically. And Orlando Brown fits that a bit better. And when it comes to protecting Joe Burrow, Jonah was drafted before Burrow. And I think in theory, the it's it was there. And I think two years ago, he was pretty good. Last year was just we'll see what the next year is and was, you know, was two years ago, the aberration or was last year that, but in pass protection, the just doesn't have the, the anchor really, but he does a pretty good job of getting out against speed. I know he's been beat there before, but does a pretty good job getting out against speed, a little susceptible to the inside moves sometimes what Orlando is a little susceptible to is a little speed around the outside, but he's good power through him. And he usually stays inside out. And I think that fits Burrow better than what Jonah does, allowing those guys to go through him sometimes or go to the inside of him, just because where Burrow likes to be within the pocket. Um, I think that is the biggest change with Orlando, where he doesn't Burrow doesn't usually drift back too deep, and that kind of fits the arm strength profile of having an average or so arm where you don't want to get to 15 yards deep and then try to huck, chuck the ball. Uh, so I think a little bit schematically and then a little bit play style wise with the quarterback, he's a better fit and why it will be an upgrade at left tackle. John, what do you think of uh, uh, how he fits, you know, again with that pass game, but then how we've seen him really in two different systems, uh, having a lot of success with the Ravens and then turn around and having, uh, having a, a really good run with the chiefs as well, getting a ring. Um, you know, do you, do you see, this being a better fit for him than those situations? Do you see him just having the versatility to be able to plug in? Or or, or how do you think that past experience is going to aid him? It's, it's a good point because the Ravens version of Orlando Brown always kind of gave me pause just because, I mean, defending that offense, obviously you're, all, you're obviously looking at run fits first. And, like, it's just a whole different animal trying to, to, to defend Lamar Jackson in the pocket. So I think it honestly kind of benefited him from a pass protection standpoint. And then he went to the Chiefs with Mahomes and it's on a whole nother different animal like 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 Mike said like he can Mahomes can do whatever he wants in the pocket and he can throw off of whatever platform that he wants because he's just that good and 
when you compare like the production and the numbers between Orlando and Jonah, like the pressure stats might be similar, but the way that those pressures kind of arise is very different. And obviously everyone only cares about the losses that an offensive lineman takes and not his wins because no one cares about that at all. The losses that both these guys kind of are responsible for, they're just dramatically different. And like Parker and Mike said, like it, the, the way that Orlando quote unquote loses or allows pressure compared to Jonah, it does fit the Bengals offense a little bit better because you're taking more shallow sets and you're dealing with a quarterback who is best at avoiding pressure from the outside where it allows him to step up. And yes, those pressures might still be there, but it's not going to tank your offense the way that unfortunately pressure has affected the Bengals and specifically Joe Burrow in the past. So now this is, yeah, this is his third different, style of offense and scheme that he's had he's only 27 years old but i don't think there's an offensive lineman specifically a tackle who's more adaptable in the nfl right now a guy who's played at a high level of both sides and again incredibly diverse from from what he's experienced from schematic sense and you can just tell by the way that he carries himself like he's just a wealth of knowledge like obviously he was kind of born to do this and i think he picks up things really quickly and i think he's kind of already on that page of what that they need him to do. So I think all that experience kind of helps him because the Bengals are trying to get more diverse, I think from a schematic sense this year. And it'd be interesting to see how it kind of plays out. Yeah. And you know, something you mentioned there just made me think if anybody hasn't yet finish listening to this podcast and then go find uh, Dan Horde's podcast uh, where he had Orlando Brown and Anthony Munoz on, and it literally turned into Orlando Brown interviewing Anthony Munoz. It was incredible. Uh, and if you're a football nerd like like everybody in this conversation is, uh, <laughs> you will absolutely love it. It was it was one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Um, so, like, does anybody in this conversation think that somebody not named Jonah Williams is going to be the right tackle this year? Crickets. That's what I figured. Uh, so let, let's start about this. And, and John just hit on something. You know, talking about. Um, I think I think Santa actually contacted a little bit a little about too, but how how Burrow likes to make plays, you know, and the Burrow can, can step up in the pocket and he's really comfortable in the pocket. Um, you know, it kind of has that, I, I'm not calling him Tom Brady, but you know, Tom Brady was really good at avoiding pressure by taking one, one or two steps. And he was never a runner. He was never a scrambler, but he could, he had that packet presence to keep his eyes downfield and do those things. Burrow can do that uh, as well. But do we think that having, a Jonah out there now uh, on his dominant side where he presumably would feel more, more comfortable scrambling. Do, do we think there might be more opportunities to create plays on the outside? I'll start with Sands this time. Yeah. Um, when I think back of the last two years with Burrow, the right tackle and this includes last year was probably a, a bit worse than the left tackle when it comes to pass protection and what he was able to mitigate that with, he usually will roll out to his right. He does that little spin and go to his left sometimes, but I feel like more often than not, and this is just dominant hand type thing, roll to your right, see to your right. You want to get out onto your dominant side. And I think that could end up helping both Jonah and Burrow where I know the blind side thing is its own conversation and an era of spread shotgun only type stuff where it's, it's probably more like 55, 45 than it is the old school. You have a real blind side when you're making that drop, but it does affect where you want to go when you want to escape and make plays. Um, I think that helps 
Burrow. I think it helps Jonah with the way he loses, where if he loses to the inside, Burrow just slides out to the right or can scramble to his right rather than having to make a whole spin turn or dramatic movement to go left and then try to work a throw while rolling to his left, which is much harder than rolling to your right when you're right-handed. Uh, and I mean, I think the Tom Brady comparison is it's there. I mean, you see the two hands on the ball, you see steps up, step over, step through. And it's kind of funny that I think the, the analytic minds are all about Joe Burrow doesn't have the pocket thing. And I just think Joe Burrow, you know, he just, he over, <laughs> over, um, overconfident when it comes to his ability to escape things rather than he doesn't know about it. But that's all of my quick thoughts on the matter. And so, so John, do you think that, you know, we, we talk about, he, he liked to go to the left, right? Um, <clears throat> is it that he like, did he go to the left because Jonah was getting beat? Did he go to the left? Cause he likes doing the little scramble move or did he feel more comfortable going to Jonah's side than going to whoever that crap was on the right side side? Right I mean, crap. <laughs> crap is a good word to use. Uh, I'm not trying to throw <laughs> shots at Lael, but I don't think people remember how often he was on the ground last year, and we can attribute that to a to a back issue that he had or whatever the case may be. He was just not good for most of the year, and the consistency was just all over the charts. And the, there's, I mean, the the perception of like, oh, right tackle is like easier than left tackle. There are really good edge rushers who line up against right tackles nowadays. And like that's the whole thing, right? The I don't think the the quality of play for Jonah is going to necessarily change that much. Like you're you're hoping that he adapts as quick as possible to all of those new sets and whatever, and just re, you know, re reacclimate some muscle memory. But the way that Burroughs senses that pressure and is able to work off of it compared to drifting to his left and then also when Jonah loses obviously he loses more to inside than anything it's just harder to kind of avoid that pressure from your left than your right and I think that is going to be the biggest factor into instead of allowing quote-unquote 13 sacks that number probably drops down to maybe half when again like the actual just the quality of play it may not change that much and maybe it will return to 2021 levels like Mike mentioned but like it, it's going to change the way that kind of Burrow kind of navigates it and kind of senses it all on its own. And I think that that was their whole vision with getting just a, a huge boulder at left tackle for Burrow to not really worry about. I mean, and it does create more situations, you know, where you feel comfortable more often leaving Orlando on an island. So Joan does get beat inside. If, you know, if, if cap is in that B gap, then you feel a little bit better about that. Parker, uh, how I think you have the most experience actually coaching the position, actually playing the position uh, compared to the rest of us. Uh, how how is it as an offensive lineman like trying to adjust when when a quarterback is creating, like being able to adjust yourself to? Are you just trying to stay out of the play, or you you know not get a, a, a you know, an excellent play call back because of a clip or a hold or something, or are you getting off your block and getting around, getting a position so you can you can help out? Uh, how, how do you respond on the fly in that, that type of situation? Yeah, no, the first thing I think every time I see, you know, no matter what level of football it is, uh, when the quarterback starts moving around or going deeper or even outside of the pocket, like, it's just you always expect to hold at that point. Like, because like, you're only expected to hold that block for so long. And then once the DN starts moving or even the D tackle starts moving differently than you'd expect based on where the quarterback's supposed to be, um, you're just, you get out of position. That's where holds come from. And that's where, yeah, I mean, 
Adjusting is hard because as a tackle, I mean, you're taught to run around the edge. So then if your quarterback pops out deep and tries to pop out around the edge, you're running your defender right into the quarterback. And that's where, I mean, Joe Burrow stepping up is, I mean, it's a more traditional thing, but I think it's a safer thing. Just, I mean, even just penalties wise, just because you're letting your O-line work how they're supposed to work. I mean, your interior guy is supposed to move guys side to side and then your tackle is supposed to run around the hoop. So, I mean, you... You want to have them adjust as little as possible, but when you are adjusting, I mean, that's just where it gets hard, where, I mean, it, as a tackle, if you start seeing your DN's eyes or they start darting around because your quarterback starts to move, you kind of just have to sit there and try and screen them off for as long as you can to almost turn into a basketball play opposed to a football play where you're just hoping to stay in front of them and, you know, hold on. So <laughs> that's the, the, the kicker to that always, point, All right. <laughs> yeah, I've always I've always stressed out when I see quarterbacks just bail because I'm just like, well, I mean, this play's going to be a moot point because we're going to get a 10-yard penalty here in a second. But that's where, yeah, that's where I, I've always loved Joe Burrow's style of play just because he uses that, uses that pocket so well. And that's where I'm excited to have Jonah on that right side um, just because, you know, he might get beat inside even though sometimes he chooses to get beat inside. I'm just like, they can choose to get beat outside. Um, just watch. He's really good at watching those DNs inside and across the formation, and that just opens up the entire right side of that offense for Burrow to see. And it's a lot more effective when that's on, you know, Burrow's dominant side, even though, like we talked about earlier, it's kind of a more even split now, but he's going to feel more comfortable, you know, rolling out and creating to that right side opposed to, you know, kind of just like Mike said, so. The other thing about being a step, able to step up, the, up in the pocket like he has, like, he doesn't have, he doesn't have Mahomes' arm, he doesn't have Herbert's arm, um, and in general, uh, you don't want to to the right and throw across your body to the left. Yes, we have seen Mahomes make that throw, uh, but it's usually does not end well at most levels of football uh when you don't have an absolute freak arm uh so i mean that like that's the good thing too is like that that's burrow's superpower seeing the whole field anyway you know so if he's able to stay in the pocket we're not taking anything away from him parker i'm gonna stick with you um again leaning on the on the o-line expertise uh you know specific to to coaching um now assuming jordan is the right tackle as we all agree uh he most likely will be do you think that they would opt for a true swing tackle uh, as, a, as a backup? Or do you think that Jonah would also be the backup left tackle since he has experience in that system playing on that side? And presumably, uh, Joe Burrow, even after last year, has some level of comfort with him. Yeah, no, I – so from a – just from a coaching perspective, I coach at a smaller high school, so we have depth issues every year. We just don't have a lot of bodies. And so what we – but I always preach and preach and preach to learn, you know, learn all five positions are in both sides of the line. And I think that's where it gets interesting at the NFL level because you want to say, okay, well, maybe it's week six and we get an injury or something happens and we need a left tackle. You want to just say, oh, we'll throw Jonah over there. He looks better. Like he looked fine at tackle. We can work it out. We'll throw someone to a right tackle. But after you've been conditioning yourself in that right tackle mindset and like learning all the new mechanics, like everyone's been saying, it's not that complicated of a transition, especially as an NFL player, but, you know, just getting into your rhythm and finding your spot and pass sets and just getting used to all those different little movements. I think it'd be more effective to have, you know, like a Jackson Carmen as that backup on the left side and let Adenogy still back up the right side while Lyle's out and then let him be the right tackle backup. Um, just because, yeah, just like I said, I mean, just you you get in such the rhythm of the season. You don't want to just flip sides again halfway through the season. That just doesn't feel like a, you know, successful transition to me. But Yeah, I, I think as any coach knows, like, you can preach versatility, but 
you only have so many reps to give out. Yeah. You know, and, and if you're the starting left tackle, uh, you know, you're not, or excuse me, if you're the starting right tackle, it, you're, you're not giving that guy a bunch of reps at left tackle during the year. So um, right now, Jonah's trying to play right tackle after not playing it for a bunch of years. Uh, and, you know, he, he would potentially be playing left tackle after not playing for a bunch of weeks, which obviously better, but, uh, but definitely a, a, a transition there. Just like um, getting the rhythm. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Uh, Sans, what do you think about, uh, you know, the, the change that you would get in terms of, uh, how, uh, I'm sorry, uh, we'll kind of stick to the same, same sort of point there. Do you think there's value to, to letting Jonah go back there? Do you think there's any reason to, to stick with that, uh, Jonah as a left tackle in that situation? I think there's a scenario where it makes sense and it's later in the year. And if Orlando would, hopefully not, but be lost for a while. You're not looking at like a one or two weeks flip and then flip back. If you're looking at like a long-term move to left tackle after being at right tackle so long and Lyle Collins is healthy to go step in at right tackle, or at least be able to because Jackson Carmen hasn't played right tackle and when he played right guard, it wasn't very good. So it could be a left, right thing. It could just be a guard tackle thing. I don't know if I want to find out. <laughs> um, so uh, I think that would be the scenario. If you really want, if you really think of a scenario where Jonah is playing your left tackle, it could be Orlando's out for five weeks or something. It's towards the end of the year and you're making that playoff push and Lyle is ready to go in there. Lyle has that chemistry with Kappa on the right side, developed that last year. They'd probably be able to get right back on that. And Jonah does with Volson. So if that's the move and I think you could then make that scenario, but I don't think you do that early in the year where you have to try to put a or Carmen into the right tackle spot. And I don't think you do it for a one or two week thing either. I think then you're just more looking for the band aid until Orlando could come back. If that's uh, the scenario that we're talking about. All right, John uh, thoughts on that. I think it really just depends on what happens with Lel this year, because we just have no idea if they're going to carry both Jonah and Lel. I think if they do, they might as well just have that contingency plan that, that, that Mike was talking about. I think it it does make the most logical sense to just say whoever the winner is and then have Carmen just be the swing tackle because, I mean, he's now, I think, practiced all four spots aside from center at this point. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was taking reps at right tackle last year when he wasn't playing. And, yeah, I it, it, it's just tough to say, to think, like, Say like Jonah loses the battle or whatever. Like say Lel beats him out, and then you then you keep him on because you can't trade him. Like at that point, like he's not 
just going to practice at right tackle. He's going to practice at both tackle spots. They're going to need him to do that. And I think that's a situation where he could find himself back at left tackle. But I think just right now, not knowing what the dynamic with the, how the depth is going to be, it, it might be too early to say. But I think I think towards the season, we'll probably just have like that traditional. You'll just have your your third tackle be like the backup left and right, and it's most likely going to be Jackson Carmen. But I mean, right now, I mean, he's <laughs> he's taking a ton of the starting reps at right tackle right now, just because both Jonah and Lyle are, are out and it, this. The training camp is just going to be so weird because you're going to have three guys who are all trying to vie for that spot. And you don't know how healthy two of them are. So, yeah, we're going to learn a lot in August. So, and and I'll just kind of open this up to the floor. Like, do we think that – who do we think will be the sixth lineman, that the, the goal line tight end essentially, uh, this year? I think it depends on what point of the year we're at. Like, is, is Lyell healthy? Because I think before he gets healthy, I think you're still looking at Adenogy and Carmen competing for that spot, at least at the, that jumbo tight end spot. Um, I think Adenogy moves a little bit better, but I think Carmen's just a better run blocker in terms of what you're doing out of that formation. So I think that'll be a fun little battle that we can't really watch, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how that decision goes. Um, that's my quick take. Yeah. I mean, Adenogy's a better athlete, but if you want a better athlete, then. Go with true sample, right? Like, make your point there. All right, Mike. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, I'm in the same spot where it's going to depend. Like John mentioned at the last question, is Lyle on the team? But if he is, man, that's a fun sixth offensive lineman, right? <laughs> we just get him moving forward. Uh, everything he couldn't do last year. Let's talk about what he could do. What he could do was double team and move guys still. So that yeah. is there. Sustain the blocks for three seconds. Eh, we'll. We're hoping the running backs pass there by that point, you know. But uh, yeah, that's I think what gets what would get me a little bit fired up is seeing Lyle go out there and just move guys to that six office lineman, which is really what he did in Dallas his last year when they gave Terrence Steele that job. And they just, well, we we still got this talented guy. Let's use him early on. It's probably going to be Carmen, uh, but I do think the coaching staff does like Adenogy. I would be surprised, but not shocked if he ends up being that. I think people are really scared that I say that about him making the team, but I think he makes the team and then I wouldn't even be completely shocked if he's somehow the jumbo offensive lineman, just because they do want the, a little bit extra oomph, but they still want that athleticism. John. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I think it was Deontay Smith when he was, when he was like a rookie and I'm pretty confident it's not going to be Deontay Smith this year. So that's really all I have to say with that. I think it's, most likely it's going to be Carmen, but yeah, like I don't, I think if I mean they're they're going to suffer some injuries in camp and like Adenji is going to be ha- going to have some value in that sense. So yeah, it wouldn't shock me if he was still here and that was his role. Yes, yeah, like Sandy, you, you, you get me excited there because like one of the things that you think about is you're, you're thinking about all that beef and you're thinking about Collins next to Brown and all the movement you can get. But then the other thing is if you put Collins next to Jonah, like. Now you've got two different types, you know, so you, you can have Collins for the down block and Jonah, you know, doing a pin and pull and coming around using that athleticism in space. So, I mean, either way, like there, there's there's ways that you're winning with that in a big way. And I will. Here's, a, here, here's, a, here's a question real quick. What's that? Uh, but uh, say it's say it's Lyle's the sixth guy. When you bring do you bring him in and you put him at the right tackle and then bump Jonah out in the sixth guy position. And so you have that athleticism on the edge and you have the power inside next to Kappa in your jumbo sets. Well, that's not a bad, that's not a bad thought either. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it does take away like the pin and pull. If it, like if you're trying to get actually get outside with it, um, but I mean, are you bringing in a sixth offensive lineman to to get outside, or do you want the, as much beef as you can? And 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 that's a great point because then you'd have just like Collins next to uh, ne- next to Brown is is exciting. Mm-hmm. Collins next to Cap is pretty exciting when you're just trying to get a yard or two too. So that's an excellent point. Anybody else have, th- have a follow up or a thought on that? So here's no. my hot take. I'll throw it is 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 uh, I I think that Hakeem Adeniji. I think they really like him. I think they like him way more than than the fan base does. But I don't. Why is Cody Ford here? Like to me, like Hakeem has always been Jonah like to me. And like we said, maybe Jonah's not really a great fit anymore. Maybe Cody Ford's a better backup now. That, that, that that's just my 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 thought on it. Just for what the scheme is, what the fit is. I've always been a fan uh, of of Akeem. I liked him coming out, um, but he's a short arm, short arm, nimble of feet, not really a people mover. And I, I don't know if that's really what they're looking for anymore. So on the sixth man topic, do we think that uh, does that? help in any way you think to develop a swing tackle like doing blocks in both directions you know as, as a tight end is is essentially asked to do uh we'll start with uh you for this one john that's a good that's a good question because you're not really seeing a lot of max protect w- w- with the six offensive linemen so it's mostly just a lot of combo blocks and yeah i, I think that's that's a good question and like in regards to ford like when, when they signed him and Orlando Brown in like a span of a day, like you, you knew that that was the full transition. Like we we might not see them go wide zone ever ever again because it doesn't fit either of them. And when you have like all, all those gaps with with those extra blockers, like that's what you that's what you can kind of get creative with that. And I don't know if that's for, but yeah, from for what you asked, like I, I think when you bring out that extra guy, it, it is a chance just to give him reps. And I think that's what would benefit kind of Carmen right now because again he's the biggest wild card maybe on the team I have no idea how good or bad he is at this point just because there's been buzz about him in the offseason he's in quote he's in the best shape of his life and all that stuff and we we saw the sample size that he was in the playoffs which is okay but it's still a limited sample size so it's a great opportunity for for one of those guys to to get those reps but there, there's not a ton that it's not like a, a very diverse role, if you will. Like there's, there's not a lot, of, a lot of opportunities for him to get experience in pass protection. And yeah, that that's just the drawback of it. Sans, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, like John said, with the max protect, that guy's usually not pass blocking. So I think that would be your biggest issue where I think a lot of the left, right issues would come. I only played left, but uh, I think a lot of the issues would come with, okay, my kick foot is now, you know, like my push foot inside and I'm kicking with the other side. I'm trying to just, everything is opposite there. I was making run blocks. I mean, that's step left, step right. <laughs> I'm doing both. <laughs> it wasn't too crazy to do either one. Uh, I guess pulling an opening, but Bengals, you know, how often are they going to do that with an extra tackle anyway? Uh, so that's my thought. It's just, it probably doesn't help your pass protection too much. And that's what I would think is more important in developing the swing tackle is can they pass protect from both sides? Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, if you are seeing him in pass protection, it's probably it's probably a full slide anyway. Uh, Parker, any thoughts? 
Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's just about what you know. They're using them as a depth piece or like as that jumbo piece. You know, it's it's really just what you see their role as, and then that then you can gauge value there. I mean, I think they both. I mean, John and Mike kind of hit it up, so I'm just gonna let them have their points there. All right. Uh, well, we'll 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 stick with you then for the next one. So we we talk about Jonah. We all agreed at the beginning of the show that, that Jonah is, is is the right tackle. Uh, you know, for for the season. Um. What do we think is going to happen after this season? You know, he's he's on a fifth year option. Uh, it doesn't. You wouldn't you wouldn't think that he'd be too enthused to stay around. Uh, you know, things uh, after the the communication issues and things over the course of the year. Um, who, who do you think might be the right tackle next year? Is it somebody on this roster even? I uh, I think that's that's an interesting thing that I keep thinking about. I've been I've been going through this like preliminarily going through the the draft class for next year just to see who to watch this fall. And uh, I, I really don't know. I think if, if Jackson Carmen pans out and he looks good in practice and he's a quality backup and he's getting those jumbo sets and still getting reps in and he really proved himself this year, I think he'd be great at that spot. Um, I, I just don't know. I mean, I think the problem with Jonah Williams and Lionel Collins is his health. I don't think the Bengals are going to be too excited to keep either of them around for, you know, like extending either of them past where they're already at. Um, so I, I think it, if it's not Jackson Carmen, it's going to be a new face because I don't think anybody on the current roster really fills that role better than he does um, in that situation. And I mean, like everyone says, though, I mean, the staff loves identity as far as I can tell. So I just don't I don't think he's the long term answer. <laughs> I don't think anybody does. So, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, it's interesting, too, because, of course, probably will be Jackson Carmen, like, you know, finally, finally showing up just in time to get a big payday uh it would be very fitting sans what do you think yeah my gut says not on the roster but if it is somebody on the roster it's probably carmen as much as i have said they, they the coaching staff likes the energy more than the fans i don't think they like them that much <laughs> you know i don't think they're looking yeah. at starting right tackle i think what more than the fan is like active roster type thing uh i I don't see Jonah or Lyle feeling filling that role. I mean, there's scenarios where it could happen, but they're pretty much long shots. Carmen's scenario, they probably want him to because it's like, okay, we got a good cheap right tackle for the next couple of years. Um, when you're looking at it from that standpoint. So I think if there is somebody, it's Carmen. If not, you're probably either in free agency or in the draft looking at that position. John? I don't, I don't know this off the top of my head, but I feel like wasn't it Clint Bowling who was developed as like a backup his first couple of years and then he started like either his second to last year or his last year and then they signed him for like a cheap deal. I feel like that was his career progression and that's I, I guess would, would be the blueprint for Jackson Carmen at right tackle because if he would start for like a year as a rookie, you could probably get him for pretty cheap. So yeah, like that would be probably their dream scenario. I think it would be fun to keep Lael this year, but I just don't know if that happens. But if it does happen, I think it's probably Lael, Carmen, and a draft pick who competes for that spot next year. I, Jonah is, I mean, he's Jesse Bates at this point. We all know what's going to happen next year. It's just dependent on how much interest there's going to be. I don't think he's probably going to sign this big of a deal that, like, you know, his other tackles did, but I think that relationship is kind of what it is at this point. But if they don't keep Lael, then that's a much bigger hole because at that point, you know, Lel is hopefully healthy enough to have one semi-decent year in, in the last year of his deal, but they haven't drafted 
an offensive lineman high since Jonah four or five years ago. They're due for another pretty big investment. They almost made it with Anton Harrison this year. So, yeah, I think that's probably what they're looking at right now. They're probably heavily scouting tackles this year, like they probably did the past couple of years. But this is the right opportunity to just kind of pull that trigger. So who do they? Who's who's Oklahoma got coming up? That's the big question. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it'll definitely be interesting because you, you make a good point. I mean, not only uh, offensive line, but like they haven't been spending picks on offense the last couple of years, uh, very high. So uh, for the most part, so be interesting to see, you know, if and when that shifts. Uh, and obviously, unless something terrible happens at the wide receiver position uh, that we won't even talk about on this podcast, uh, it tackles the spot. You know, tackles the spot that's going to happen. I, I, I doubt they would invest super high in a tight end. Sorry. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Probably everybody. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's bump things inside a little bit um, as we take a look um, at the guard position. There's been a lot of talk back and forth about, about Volson. Um, it, it was weird because I felt like at the beginning of last year, everybody loved him. And I, and I was like the, the guy like, yeah, he's all right. He's got some work to do. And then by, by the end of the year, it seemed like everybody hated him and I was defending him. Uh, so Volson, he's a second year player, but he's weird in, as a second year player because he's 25 years old. Um, he played a lot of football in college uh, because he, he played at the FCS level and at a championship uh, that was redundant, but uh, but he was frequently actually playing in championships at the FCS level. So, like, dude was playing, like, 20-game seasons in college. And um, so he's already played a lot of football, and he's already pretty old. Um, what can we expect of him? Like, you usually see a, the biggest jump is, is between year one and year two, but do we think that that Volson, you know, has that type of, of, of uh, jump in him? We'll start with Parker. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting seeing the people that talk about his age affecting his jump from you know rookie to sophomore season in the league. I think that that jump doesn't come from being young and just developing. It comes from being in the NFL for a year. It comes from the game is starting to slow down for you. It comes from getting used to the system and all the other things that go into it. And I, 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 I've been saying all offseason that he's going to have a nice jump this year, I think, especially being next to Orlando Brown and Ted Karras. I mean, that's – that's a lot better than I mean, Orlando Brown just got like what we talked about. He's very versatile and he's learned a lot of different systems. He's played a lot of high quality NFL football. I think it's just that's a great resource to have right next to you. And then you have, I mean, you have Super Bowl rings next to you on either side. So, 
And Browns played next to Yanda and, and Thune. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, it's not, not <laughs> half bad. I think he's got some pointers that he can definitely share with them. So, John, what do you think? I think there's <laughs> be that guy like there's points on both sides. Like the the fact that he's played you know thousands of snaps, it it make for the, for the most part it's like you almost kind of are who you are. But I mean, he had the ultimate like welcome to the NFL. Like he went from five years at North Dakota State to lining up against Cam Hayward week one and the first I think the first snap he gave up a sack or like he had like a terrible rep right. So like obviously that transition is just leaps and bounds more than just a guy coming from Georgia to the NFL. So with that in mind, yes, like I think there is definite room for improvement and, and like there's the logic behind that actually happening. The thing that like, like Volson is just, he's not a great athlete and I, it's hard to see him ever becoming a great athlete. Like he, he's kind of schematically limited because of that, but it's fine if this is kind of who the Bengals are from a schematic standpoint. And like, they're just going to just, straight up gaps and, and you know gap schemes and everything um but there's there's technique issues that needed to be worked out and there's leverage issues that needed to be worked out he's six seven it's kind of it's not the easiest thing in the world to be that and be a guard so there's all these things that are that are, that are tangible and the and you can track and you know the coaches are probably you know getting hard on him because of that so yeah the age it, it it's back and forth to me but i i think there's enough here that it's like there there was some progress last year but there's definitely more that can be had and i think you know him bulking up is not the worst thing in the world to kind of achieve that as well sans thoughts <sighs> yeah uh so he's probably like had his athletic or near his athletic peak so that's the age part of it but like parker said game slows down and i thought it slowed down for him a little bit throughout the year the early on it, it didn't feel that way but later on you're seeing him pass stunts and communicate better and work with the guys next to him is that communication is that the game slowing down a little bit of both probably and could he fix some of the technical issues which could come still you can't get more athletic really at his age but you can get better at the technical side of everything and offensive line probably the most technical of all the position groups at least for how much that's going to matter for him uh, so I think you can make a pretty decent jump. I don't think you're going to see some crazy all pro level jump, but a jump into a guy that looks like a long-term starter or somewhere near there. I think that's something you could see pretty easily in my mind. I think that's just, uh, fixing up everything technical and you're like, well, the ceiling is the ceiling, but you know, he got better. And I, I think it's easy to see how that could happen. Yeah, and I think you look at it too, and it's very interesting Interesting that he is between, as one of you pointed out, Karras and Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown, a uh, second-generation NFL player who, you know, when you hear him talk, you, like, you, you can tell he was, you know, pay attention to stuff his dad said when he was 12 years old or something. Like, really smart dude. And Ted Karras is a third-generation guy. Um, you know, really, really deep uh, NFL lineage from those guys. And, I mean... Man, what a what a great place to to be as a as a young guy, uh, coming up. And Parker, do you have something to add about the uh, athleticism for Wilson? Yeah, no, I think it's. Uh, I just wanted to just ask a kind of a question to everybody, but I don't. So we had Jonah Williams, we had Akeem McGenergy that were coming to the team that kind of had better athletic profiles. Now they're getting guys. I mean, you got Bolson, who's not the best athlete. You got Orlando Brown, where we all know what his RAS score was. I mean. 
do we do we think they're worried about having these crazy athletic guys or are they looking more for these maulers that they want to get in this gap scheme and start bullying guys around like what do you think they're trying to go for moving forward like you think that's a concern for them or i mean that was oh, that... evident like yeah. when they signed karis and kappa both guys who had more success like just going downhill like that mm-hmm. that seemed pretty evident and also like lel to a certain extent um I also like I remember Jonah saying that he was way more comfortable blocking in wide zone like that was his preference and like I, I wonder how that how how this kind of shift is going to affect him but de- definitely like Volson fit the bill for what they were looking for it's just I mean it obviously it, it helps to be a good athlete in pass protection too just because these guys are just getting quicker and smaller in the inside and obviously if you're if you're huge like you can just absorb that and and you can just be a barrier better but yeah like it, it it definitely it doesn't hurt to be a good athlete in pass protection and and that's that, that that's where the jump might not be as big for volson but the, the from the timing standpoint and the technical standpoint that can all that can all be achieved yeah their gap moving guys it's not as important but you think of like getting to the second level or in pass protection and instead of, i think it just gives you a bigger margin for error you know, if you're a great athlete and you make a mistake, you can kind of overcome that. It's almost like the arm strength of a quarterback. You can be late on something. If you got a Justin Herbert arm or a Josh Allen arm or a Patrick Mahomes arm, you can be late and fit that in there still. But if you got Joe Burrow arm and you throw it late, oh, it's probably going the other way for six. Um, so I think that's similar with offensive linemen. It's like Jonah or, well, let's use Orlando, I guess. Well, he's got the length to make up for it. But if you're thinking of a guy, I guess like Volson, if he makes a mistake, you know, it's, harder for him to recover and come back from that than it is for somebody who's more athletic. And I think the strength is a good point. Can he get that much stronger? He's fairly strong now, but how much stronger can you get at 25? I think that would fit the athleticism that I talked about too. It's just your natural power and strength as well. How much does that improve? Or are you kind of stuck where you are with that? You know, you could lift and get bigger, but I think Jonah's done that and we, we haven't actually seen too much of the uh, the movement there from him. I've started to come around recently. Like, you know, I, I wasn't a big fan of Orlando Brown coming out, and but I started to come around to the idea that these huge guys, like these these you know three fifty pushing four hundred guys, if they can stay healthy, have just an incredibly high floor, just for being big. You know what I mean? And, and you know, Mackay Becton kind of is wrecking that for me a little bit right now. Um, you know, but but that was the, like that was the thing about uh, Jones from Ohio State was just like, man, you got to run around him, you know. Uh, and and I think if, if he would work out or step on a scale, people would feel a little bit better about that. Um, but, you know, that that brings us to the, the, the scheme issue. It, it's really weird that like Pollock is an outside zone guy like he came into the league i believe with the texans and came in the uh, league with the yeah with the texans alex gibbs was the yeah uh, alex, alex gibbs was there and alex gibbs is the man um and kubiak and, was the head coach too <laughs> yeah, yeah. And kubiak his his dad's an outside zone guy an outside zone offensive line coach um kyle was there yeah so it, like it really seems to be really inter- intertwined in, in, in what they have um, but they're, man, they're, they're swinging hard away from it. And I mean, it's kind of funny that Jones ended up in, in Cleveland. Cause like that, to me, that was the worst spot for him to go. Cause I don't know what they're going to do with him in an outside zone system. Um, I think it's a terrible fit, but, um, 
but yeah, so I mean, it, it was a big swing for them to go in this direction, and and really, like they kind of have the wrong staff. Like Pollock wasn't the guy you'd hire if you wanted to do this necessarily, uh, but 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 that's where they're at, and they they really seem to be all in with it um, from what they're doing. And like that was my point about Cody Ford too. Like I I see Cody Ford as like a I, I'm not saying he's great, but he's probably just a better fit, and also has versatility. Like he could he could he could be the identity like the oh shit guy and guard or, or tackle. Um, but he's a little bit more of a mauler, a little bit more of a fit for, for what they're doing now, probably. All right. Uh, I think we got time for one more question. So last year, like we forget about it because we remember all the bad, uh, but like they were getting pretty good, you know, and, and in December, um, the offensive line was playing pretty good football and then bam, injury after injury. Um, and, and, you know, you're left with 40% of your offensive line. Uh, so obviously depth is an issue and look, O-line depth, I think is a, is an issue for every team. I don't think there's any, any fan base, any team that feels good about it, but how, how do we feel about where the depth is on the offensive line, uh, this year coming back? John, I'll start with you. I mean, they have what, 17 guys right now. Like they're just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall, <laughs> yeah. which I mean, in fairness, like if 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 you're just desperate to see if anything works, you might as well just try everything. Yeah, like if 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 you're, you know, like bottom four, bottom three, or like Cody Ford, Trey Hill, and then Max Sharping, like you're not feeling great. And if if those are the three that end up beating out like everyone else in camp, and that is what it is. But I think they'll probably go nine or ten this year, and it would be nice to have. Like, oh, I forgot to mention Jackson Carmen. It'd be nice to have Carmen and Collins back be your backup tackles. It would be nice to see if, like Ben Brown can you know, beat out like Trey Heller, give him a run for for his money at center. Like I think it, it's it's all relative. It's better than it, it was in years past. But like you're right, like they're just they they had unprecedented offensive line continuity throughout the first 16 weeks of last year. They can't really expect that to happen again. But like everyone's a year more into the system. You have more development happening. Like I think you you feel as good as you possibly could, and that's just again it's more relative to what it has been years past. Parker, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean personally, I'm just I'm really excited about some of these young guys they have in there, like Ben Brown, Jackson Kirkland. Um, I think Cody Ford and Sharping are kind of just there as a veteran presence. It's more of a quote unquote sure thing. Like you know what you're getting out of them if they have to go into a game situation opposed to. These younger guys, they probably want to develop a little bit more before they have to, before they're in the position where they might get thrown in like that. But I'm excited to see kind of how they come along long term. And like John said, I mean, they they have ridiculous depth at tackle right now. I think they have pretty solid quality tackles just on the roster in general. I'm not really worried about that spot. But I think it's going to be interesting to follow the the kind of the interior three. Um, and Volson's young. Then you have, you know, Brown and Kirkland. Um, I think Hill and Sharping, I mean, they're – and I, yeah, I just don't see them having a longer future in Cincinnati, but I'm interested to see, you know, what happens after, you know, the Karras and Kappa, you know, they're kind of done with their time here. So I'm kind of excited. And I feel good about what they have going right now. So. All right, Sands, what do you got for me? Yeah. I mean, I feel better about it, especially if Collins makes the team and they're not interested in keeping the money or interested in having that quality depth piece, that would make me more interested because when I think about the same injury could happen, if right tackle, left tackle and right guard all go again, it feels like it will be at least two different people coming into those spots. 
Um, well, Carmen might be coming in, so maybe just one. <laughs> but uh, still, there'll be different people coming into those spots, at least one better person coming into that spot than what was thrown out there in the playoffs and what they had to deal with. So I, I think it's sometimes a little bit overstated, but I do think not that depth, not the depth is important part, but the Bengals improved their depth. But I do think it did improve. Yeah, and you do have some good experience there. Like like you said, you've got those the guys with some veteran presence. You got in Hakeem, you got a guy that started a lot of games and a lot of important games at both guard and tackle, you know, and, and honestly, like, say what you will about him. You know, uh, he, he was not a very good guard. I get it. Um, but, I mean, that's – your nine out of ten times you're going to be better off with that than throwing in an unknown Jackson Kirkland. And that's nothing personal against Jackson Kirkland because it sounds like there's some – uh, that he's doing pretty well, and hopefully, hopefully he can be something for him. But, uh, but yeah, it is it is good to have somebody in town that you feel that you feel pretty good about. So, all right, well, uh, we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, thank you for uh, for everybody for 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 joining us, and we'll just go uh, down the line real quick. Uh, anybody wants to pitch their social media where you can find their work, anything like that, uh, and we will uh, start with Sands this time. Uh, that. Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands, everything's there. Uh, and I guess if you just get on a different platform and you search that, I might have an account. There's probably nothing going on there, though. Just in case Twitter dies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The, yeah, everybody's uh, everybody's got, got the second account in a vault now, just in case. Uh, John? Yeah, Blue Sky Threads, Twitter, don't find me. I have enough. We're good. <laughs> You can't find him anyway. There's too much punctuation. He's, he's hard to find. Parker. Yeah, no, I'm just, uh, just Twitter, Parker Blake 60. Um, hoping to do some fun stuff for all Bengals this season. So, All right, sounds good. Well, yeah, thank you all for uh, for tuning in. Lots of great content coming your way throughout the channel uh, all offseason long. And, I mean, hey, we're we're like two weeks away right now from, from camp. So that's pretty, uh, that's pretty exciting, uh, you know, turned into – especially for offensive line, turning into more than just an underwear show. Uh, actually seeing some guys hitting some guys uh, so we can figure out what they really got. So exciting times. I'm Matt Minnick for Cincy Jungle Uday. Oops.